Luke chapter 15 is where we are this morning. We are finishing up uh, this chapter. And again, as I reminded you last few weeks, J.C. Ryle, famous author, wrote Holiness, many other writings as well. He says that this is the most, uh, this is the most beautiful passage for a Christian because it shows us the love of Jesus in a way that I, I don't know if we see in other places. Uh, just that, that compassionate, that tender, that pursuing, that diligent love of Christ. And over the first two parables, the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin, we see Jesus' side of Him redeeming sinners and pursuing them. And then last week we looked at the lost son. Uh, And and we see how uh, it's our side as well uh, of the things that we do to go down this path, uh, this path of rebellion and, and sin. And Jesus is there ready for us to repent. And so this week, uh, we will turn our attention, as we we read uh, even last week, verse 11 of chapter 15, and he said there was a man who had two sons. A lot of us, when we read the story of the prodigal son, we we just simply focus uh, on the younger son, right? Because that's the majority of the text anyways, and it's the, the beautiful imagery of the son coming down uh, the pathway far off in the distance, the father runs out to him, right? And we have that beautiful picture. Um, but there's also the other son. And so we'll be looking at that today. So we'll be looking at verses 25 through the end of the chapter. Uh, we will read it, and then we will pray, and then we will study it together. Verse 25, Now his older son was in the field. As he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked, What these things mean? And he said to them, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry, and he refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, These many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him? And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is now found. Let us pray. God, again, we come before you, humbled to be speaking to the God of the universe, and we ask that you would be with us now. We beg that you would help us to understand this text, your word, the words of your beloved Son, God Almighty, Jesus Christ. I pray that you would help us to learn today. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be encouraged where we need to be encouraged and convicted where we need to be convicted, that we'd be changed by your word this morning. I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. What is a healthy church? Uh, that, That is one thing that I have been looking at, well, ever since I began my ministry here. Uh, looking at different things that we need to do as a church to be healthy. Uh, One of the things that pops right to mind is the mission of the church. 
Now, we use that word a lot, mission. We, we like to talk about that word, whether we are on mission, and we use it as like a keep on target kind of a thing. But have you ever really considered that? What is the mission of the church? Why are we here? If it was just uh, for you to be saved individually, why is it that you still are here? Why is it that God just zaps you up to heaven as soon as you become a Christian? Well, there's purpose. As I mentioned even earlier in my prayer, God is sovereign. He's in complete control. And so if you are here right now as a Christian, there must be a purpose. Well, I think we find the purpose very clearly in the Word of God. We call it the Great Commission. I talk about it a lot because it's very important. Now, commission just means job, and it is literally the one job that Jesus has given the church. To go out and make disciples. And that's kind of a scary thing for a lot of us. Right? Evangelism. We talk about that word, and sometimes we get ideas of uh, you know, someone yelling at the street corner. Uh, maybe holding a sign that says something maybe offensive or mean. And, and they're yelling at people, and um, we think of that as evangelism. Or maybe we have a, a bigger picture of uh, some huge event. right? Um, a whole bunch of people get invited to one place, and someone like Billy Graham comes in and, and preaches, and that's evangelism. Now, are those forms of evangelism? Yeah. Sometimes those things can be good, and sometimes those things can be bad. But all, all uh, well, both of those are forms of evangelism. And it is the purpose of the church to go out and preach the gospel. There, there needs to be a voice in that. Uh, we cannot just be saying, well, I'll just live a faithful life. And someone's eventually going to ask me uh, about my faith. And while that might be true, um, we are told, Romans ten fourteen, How can someone believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching? Uh, that's not directed at pastors, by the way. That's directed at the church. So that's you. That's me. We have to be vocal in that. Evangelism is a scary thing, though. And really, what we're going to be looking at today is uh, someone who was not a fan of evangelism. We see many times over the chapter 15 uh, of this idea of when a sinner comes to saving faith in Jesus Christ. The celebration that happens. You know, whether it's uh, in the parable of the lost sheep, we, we see that. Verse 6, And when he came home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Rejoice with me. We see it again uh, in uh, the parable of the lost coin. We see it in verse 9. When she had found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. And then, of course, we see it uh, even more extravagant in, in the parable of the lost son. Uh, the, he kills the fattened calf. We talked about that last week of how he puts the robe on the son. He gives him a ring. He gives him all the satisfaction that he was trying to find in someone else. He found it in the father. And, and there was celebration. But not everyone is a fan of evangelism. And that's what that is. That is someone hearing the gospel and believing in Jesus Christ. That's the picture that's being uh, portrayed for us. Not everyone is a fan of evangelism. And maybe even us in our own hearts. Uh, well, 
If you're a fan of something, what do you usually do? Right? I, I'm, I'm a fan of a lot of things. Uh, you go into my office, you'll see all kinds of silly things. I've talked about it many times, even I was talking to uh, someone at the funeral uh, who doesn't know me all that well, but they know I like Star Wars because they came to, uh, came to service and they heard me talking about it. I'm passionate about that, so I talk about it, right? Uh, if you're a fan of the Rough Riders, what are you probably going to do? You're going to watch the game, right? You're going to be active. You're going to wear uh, the jersey. You're going to be talking about it. You're going to be rooting for them. Well, if we are fans of evangelism, what are we doing about it? That's really the question that's being asked for us in this parable. All right, so let's begin at verse 25. We get a little bit uh, of insight into the older son, because up to this point, we don't know anything about him. All right, all we know is that there's a younger and an older son, then we get the full story on the younger son. So now is really the first time that we're getting any kind of introduction, really, to the older son. Verse 25, now his older son was in the field. As he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So uh, the, the older son, and we have to stop for a minute. I, I think, you know, sometimes we go through a parable and we wait to the end to kind of get, okay, who is this, who is that? Because a, a parable is a, basically a huge metaphor, right? Uh, but I think it's important in this one to stop uh, and, and looking at this older son and say, who is that? Um, well, we, we know who the sinners are, right? We know who the lost son is. We know who uh, the lost sheep is, the lost coin is. We see it in verse 1 of chapter 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. That's those guys. The people who are coming to Christ to listen to his gospel message, to believe and repent of that sin. It's not that Jesus is just saying, hey, come, let's hang out. He has a message for them. He wants them to believe in him. All right, and then we have the older one. All right, verse 2, and the Pharisees and the scribes, what do they do? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. They grumbled, saying this man receives sinners and eats with them. In other words, uh, he, he's fine with sinners. He likes to just be around them and has nothing really to offer them. He just wants to be with them. That's not true. But the Pharisees and the scribes, they grumbled. And that's why Jesus goes through uh, these three different parables. All right, so here, to this point, we have not had anything that's really directed at uh, the, the scribes and the Pharisees. It's all been directed about the sinners and the tax collectors. But now we look at this idea of what Jesus thinks of the Pharisees and the scribes, and he depicts them as the older son. Verse 25, now his older son was in the field. As he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. All right, so we see really, uh, I have on the, the bulletin here, of uh, a couple differences I want you to notice between the father and the son. All right, uh, between the father and the son. The first thing that we see here in verse 25 is, is that he's working. All right, so a difference that we can see between the father and the son is the father, what is he doing when, when all this is happening? He's, he's watching. All right, so right there, if you fill in, uh, you have those two boxes under the father watching and under the son working. All right, the father is waiting for that other son 
Like I said, it's not just that he's like in the driveway and he sees him. The idea here in the wording is is that he is at a far distance when the son comes down uh, and is coming home. The father sees him. He is watching for him. You don't just, it's not just like, uh, oh, I see Mo out of the corner of my eye. He's right there. All right, this is someone who's way off in the distance. That means that he's watching for him. All right, he has a heart for him then. Here, we see the son. He's out working. Now, we can look at that and say, well, it's probably a good thing, right? Like You've got you to work. You've got to provide for yourself. But in this imagery that is happening, we need to understand that he's, he's busy. He's doing things. What do we know about the Pharisees, if that's the older son? What were they all about? Doing things. Legalism. I will save myself by keeping the law, thinking that you could find salvation in the law. We know that's not true. It's only salvation by faith. Throughout all of history, that's the way it's been. Belief in God. They didn't get that. Alright, so the the father is watching, the son is working, and he's... uh, He's out there in the field, and he draws near to the house. All right, so now we're getting to the point where uh, the the son is now being celebrated, the younger son who has returned home. He's now being celebrated. The fattened calf has been killed. They're having a party. All right, and so he draws near to the house, and he hears something. And I find this very interesting, that he hears music. Well, that's normal, right? You can hear that from a pretty far distance. Uh, you can tell that this is, there's a party that's happening. But then he hears something else. It's in the same phrase here. He hears music and he hears dancing. Think about that. It's not that he sees dancing. All right? He hears it. That just shows the celebration that's happening at home. This is how, how, how big of a, a deal God makes when a sinner repents and, and believes in Jesus Christ. You can hear the dancing. All right? uh, if, if we were to be uh, dancing today, now we're Baptists, right? so we, we don't do that. Right? Uh, but if we were to be dancing and just moving a little bit, you, maybe you wouldn't hear us. But, uh, but these people are jumping all over the place. There's, there's dancing, there's celebration that is happening. And he hears it from the field as he's drawing near to the house. All right, and this shows just how joyful the father is. And so the son, thinking about this, maybe, maybe, maybe you think, all right, well, he's going to come and he's going to celebrate too. Uh, he's he's going to be joyful. Like, come on, everyone likes music and dancing. Just come and be joyful with the brother. That's awesome, right? Well, no. What does he do? He's so concerned about the things that he's doing, he calls over his servant, verse 26, and he calls one of the servants and asks what these things mean. Verse 27, and he said to him, your brother has come home and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. So why didn't he go? Why didn't he just go and see what was going on? Why do you have to call over a servant? And even in the wording here, uh, there, we can see that he's angry already. Like what's going on? What's, basically, what's the ruckus, Right? Uh, you can you can imagine. I, I even remember uh, when when we had our, our first apartment in Austin, Minnesota. Uh, you know, I was a, a I was a youth pastor, and I, I had a family over, uh, and they have kids. And at the time, we didn't have any kids, uh, but they they have a couple kids, and and they were being toddlers, right, and kind of going all over the place. But we're on the third floor, all right. And so even as we were there, and we're just hanging out together. Uh, our neighbor underneath us comes 
knocks on the door. You guys are being way too loud. What is all this jumping? And, uh, you know, the kids aren't even doing anything, really. They're just being kids. Uh, but that, that's kind of what this older brother is doing. He's coming and saying, what's all this noise that I hear? All right, so there, there's no aspect that he wants to participate. Uh, he is not joyful in any way. Even right now, we can see his emotions, that he is angry. And that's why he doesn't want to go. All right, and then he gets, what, what is the reasoning for all of this? Well, your brother has come. And this is, again, after he had repented. We talked about that. After he came to himself, which is the Hebrew phrase for repentance. All right, he, he realized his errors. And, and he's now coming back. All right, so after that, uh, he, he has come back. And the father has ki- uh, killed the fattened calf. So, again, that idea of partying and celebrating. Why? Because he has received him back. He has not rejected him. He has brought him in. He received him back. And just even that idea of back. It's not that he, uh, he's here. Uh, have you ever had any family drama? Never, never, right? Uh, have you ever had maybe uh, a parent who's, who's upset at one of the children? And there, there's kind of this thing. Maybe, maybe they came over for Thanksgiving or, or, or Christmas or something like that. But there's tension. You know, yeah, he's, that person's physically there. But there, there's, there's tension and there's kind of like this anger that's happening. And it's not the same as it was. Right? It's not like that. He received him back. There's nothing being held against this younger son. He received him back. He's in that same position. He he gets the robe. He gets the ring. He gets the feast. So we see that. God doesn't hold anything against sinners once they repent. They They are received back as children. Even we see that in Ephesians. They are adopted children of God. And that, that's what, uh, what's being displayed here. He has received him back. There's like a, a it's very similar. It's actually the same word in Luke chapter 8 in the parable of the, of the soils. Not the sower, uh, the soils, right? Uh, and, and that good soil that absorbs the seed. All right? it, it's that same word, receives. All right? So he, he absorbed him back. This is no trial period. Uh, it's a repentance center being immediately uh, restored back to that, that same position. He says, safe and sound. So the brother is complete and whole. That, that sinner who obviously wasn't before, right? Looking at, at the, the, meat that, or, uh, the, the food of the pig that he couldn't even digest, he looks at it and says, I want it. All right? He is not safe and sound there. But now he has been received back and he is safe and sound in the father's house. So what should the brother have done? What would you have done? If your brother, or maybe a family member, like I said, we've all had family issues in our past, I think. Maybe not to this extent, but uh, we we all experienced that. If you had someone that you've had issues with in the past, and they came back and were repentant, and, and they wanted to have fellowship with you, what would you do? Well, the brother is faced with that. And instead of doing what I think maybe we would do if, if we really loved that person, we saw true repentance, which is clearly what this younger son displayed. 
Well, he, he acts quite differently. Verse 28, But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. So just going on the back of your bulletins there, there's watching for the father and working for the son. Underneath that should be received him for the father. That's what the father did for the son, the younger son. He received him. And here we see very clearly that the older son, what does he do with this repentant sinner, this repentant brother? He refuses him. He gets angry. This is continual fury. It's not just, oh man, I'm a little upset. You know, it's, it's, uh, he, he hurt me in the past and, and, and I'm a little upset about that. It still smarts. Uh, that's what my dad always said for, for anything that hurts, smarts. Uh, my, it, it still affects me a little bit. That's not what's going on. There, there's, there's fury here. There's, there's this indignation that is happening in the older brother. He is ticked. And he's just going back. It's almost like he's pacing in his anger. Uh, you, can, you can imagine like a, a lion trapped in a cage and all he wants is food and he's going back and forth. That, that's what's happening here with the older brother. He is angry. Uh, continual fury. And so we hear, see even here uh, that we have for the father joyful, right? He, he's happy to have the son back. There's joy there. There's happiness. There's, oh, it's just wonderful, right? He, he gets the robe. He gets the, the ring. It's, there's this feast. He's joyful to have his son back. But the brother here is angry. He's angry. So what does he do with the, his anger? Well, as I said, he refused to go in. He refuses him. Now imagine that picture. I mean, really, really get it in your mind of this, this son, these two brothers, all right? And one of the sons rejects the father and he goes out and he, he lives this horrible lifestyle and he comes back in repentance. And this other brother who is prideful, we see that very clearly, uh, who is legalistic and he's out in the field and he comes back and the brother's in the house with the father celebrating and he's out there just pacing, going back and forth. Uh, just ticked and not wanting to go in. That's, that's similar to how some of us act with evangelism. Now you might be going, wait, I don't, I don't quite connect the dots there. Well, I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. But the father, he goes out. He goes out to the older son. And, and he, he pursues him. Again, we see this love from Jesus. He is, uh, he's the one who is the father in this story. Verse 29, but he, uh, he, or verse 28 at the end, his father came out and entreated him. This idea of entreating is, is a comforting appeal. Um, my, my son Andrew sometimes, uh, uh, he, he gets a little upset. And sometimes I have to get down on a knee and just kind of look him in the eye and, and explain the situation to him. Uh, just so he can fully grasp what's, what's happening around him or why he has to obey or something like that. Uh, it's not me lording it over him and uh, being like, don't you get it, you, you four-year-old. Uh, but I get down on my knee and I talk with him. That, that's kind of what's happening here. The, the father comes out to the son who is obviously being selfish, who's obviously being prideful. And, and it's like he gets down on his knee and just looks him in the eye and says, son... You know, come on in. Don't like look at your brother is back. This is a wonderful thing. 
In verse 29, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. Even that idea, look. You know, if you, if you begin a sentence like that, look. Just get it through your mind. All right, this is why I'm upset. There is there's some anger that's happening there. He says, I never disobeyed. Do you think that's true? Have you ever, uh, dads, have you ever had a son that's obeyed completely in every way, never disobeyed? That's quite the exaggeration, right? All right, maybe, maybe he's saying it as, uh, I never disobeyed as much as, uh, as the other guy. But he, in, in the wording there, I never disobeyed. Yeah, he did. All right, we definitely see he's exaggerating. He's prideful. Uh, in contrast to the brother who comes to him and says what? Father, I have sinned. All right, the brother says, I've never sinned. All right, I, I've always been great. Uh, I've never disobeyed. He, he's being a hypocrite. And of course, we see that very clearly with the Pharisees. Uh, they, they were constantly saying that they were better than others. Even uh, you remember the, the man praying there, right? He cries out to God that he's a sinner, right? And he's repenting. And then the Pharisee, thank you, Lord, that I am not like him. Some of us do that in our evangelism. Some of us, we, we, we think, well... If you don't just believe in Jesus, you must be an idiot. Right? And we, we kind of look down on people. That's, that's something that really does happen in Christianity. It might even happen in our own hearts. Where we look at people and we say, well, I'm better because I believe in Jesus. It's very easy to fall into this trap of the older brother. To fall into this trap of being a Pharisee. Of looking at individuals who are suffering who are in desperate need and saying, I am better than them. God should be celebrating me, not this person who is coming to saving faith in Jesus Christ. It's very easy. We must protect our hearts in that. To always remember, even in Ephesians 2, we've looked at that many times where you were dead in your trespasses and sins. We were there. They were children of wrath, right, is what, he, uh, what Paul calls them. As many were you. Right? That, that's the next phrase. So even in that, we look at how uh, despicable sin is in the eyes of holy God, and then we're reminded immediately that that was us. That was us. Before Christ, that we were just the same. We were like the younger son. But the Pharisees, they, they didn't quite understand that. So we have even further depiction of what that looks like. Alright, so he says, Look, these many years I served you, I never disobeyed. And then here's the accusation, and that's number four. The father entreats, and the son accuses. Uh, he says, You never gave me even a goat. So while the, the younger son is being celebrated, and he's given this fattened calf, right? basically the best feast that he could have, and he says, you never even gave me a goat. Now, is that true? No, he's a son. He's a son. He has the robe. 
He has the ring. He has the authority. Even later, we even see uh, that everything that the Father has is given to him. But that's not enough for him. And he looks at the, the younger brother who's being celebrated, and he says, what about me? I deserve celebration. I deserve the focus, not him. And then he even goes further. He says, he uh, could even just tell his tone of voice in verse 30, but when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. So this son of yours, can't even call him brother. He doesn't say, well, when my brother came. He says, that son who belongs to you. There, there's disgust in his, in his tone of voice, I imagine. The son of yours. And he devoured your property with prostitutes. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, he did that. He, we, we see that very clearly, that he ruined his life. He went out, he took all that, that money that he had gotten from the Father, it was graciously given to him, and he goes out and he li lives this reckless lifestyle of sin and drives himself, not just even to the poorhouse, but to the pigs. And to be in need, and that idea again, desperation. So yes, he did this. But... That's not all. The, uh, that's not the end of the story. Essentially, what he's doing, the older son, he's saying, "Look at his sin, Dad. Look at his sin. How could you celebrate him?" But I love what the father says here, verse thirty-one. He said to him, "Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours." He doesn't say, "Well, you're wrong. He didn't do those things." He doesn't say, "Well, he is worthy." Right? Exactly like what uh, he said to the younger son. Right? Father, I have sinned against you and, uh, before heaven. Uh, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father doesn't say, uh, no, it's okay. Right? What does he do? He says, servants, get the rope. He says, basically, I know. I know, but I'm gracious and I'm going to do this. I know you're unworthy. He looks here at the son and sees this pride and the selfishness that's in his heart. And he sees even this son pointing out the sin in his brother and says, I know, but I'm gracious. Son, all that is mine is yours. If you want it, you can have it. And he says it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this. Your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So the Pharisees knew. They knew the truth. And they knew the truth about their sin, but they didn't want to face it as the younger son. And it was good to celebrate the brother because he was dead and is now alive. Because he was lost, but is now found. It is a good thing to evangelize. And don't be scared of that term. It is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. If you are a Christian uh, if you are a member of our church, you are to be on mission. Not like the older brother who is sitting back in the field. He's too busy to go and reach out to his brother. And he looks down on him and says, what about me? Why isn't there a ministry for me? Go. That's what God says. 
Go and make disciples. That is the mission of the church. And we are to do it in the same kind of love that the Father has. Look at this. He's watching. He's looking for opportunities to show His grace. He receives this sinner, this repentant sinner. He receives him, takes him in. He entreats with those who who are against that. And He is joyful. He is joyful in receiving them and seeing them come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And that's the picture that's being displayed here. This is the love of God. Luke chapter 15. Of him pursuing, of him going after sinners, of him bringing them, drawing them to himself. And they realize, as the young son did, the lost son, he came to himself and then is received home and is elevated to that position, received him back, get the robe, get the ring. And the older son, which could be where we fall into. You know, maybe some of us in this room, we're still at that position where we're the younger son. We're living our lifestyles of sin. We've never trusted in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're there. Come to Jesus. He is there. He is waiting. He wants to have you in, to give you that robe, to give you that ring, to elevate you, to be his child. And maybe some of us fall into that trap of being the older son. Or we're not concerned not concerned about the lost. We're, we're focused on our own thing. We're busy. We're out in the field. Let us have that same compassion as the Father. To watch, to receive, to entreat, and to be joyful. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do give you glory for the gospel that can save anyone. Lord, I thank you that when I was 10 years old, that gospel was preached to me. I heard it. Your Holy Spirit drew me, and you saved me. Lord, I thank you that for anyone, no matter what your lifestyle has been in the past, uh, no matter what, uh, maybe even a a church you go to on a regular basis, uh, anyone can come to saving faith in Jesus Christ if they only believed in him and repented of their sin. It is a free gift. I thank you for that free gift, God. Lord, I pray that if there are those in this room who have never done that, Maybe they've heard the message many, many, many times, but they've never repented of their sin, never truly trusted in Christ. I pray that that would happen today. And Lord, for those of us who have been saved, let us never fall into this trap of being the older brother who's not concerned for those who are passing him by, uh, who are too busy to be involved with the younger brother. Lord, let us never be too busy in our lives or in ministry to think about the lost. Let us be on mission, God. Lord, let us go and make disciples. Let us be heralds of your gospel so that they can hear, so that they can believe. I pray that you'd be moving in our hearts. Help us to look for opportunities to do so, God. Give us boldness in it. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.